waste or a good work? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Funny how if you give something valuable to God, other people will have opinions about that. Folks who are not parties to the transaction at all, or are they, want to weigh in on your gift. People tried to throw shade on Mary of Bethany for her irrational show of gratitude, but Jesus praised her. Where are we in that picture? Let's open our Bibles to John 12 for Pastor Jim's sermon, Outside the Box. This morning, the focus of our attention is drawn to this passage because of the expose, because of the marvelous, gracious, and yet honest treatment that John gives us of the aftermath of this most lavish gift Mary gave to her Savior. Would you follow with me on the screen, please, and read? Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. She had made an appointment to talk with me about the education of her daughter. She was a single parent. She had enrolled her daughter in Worthington Christian High School. Times for her were very tough. She came to ask, prepared to beg, that whatever needed to be done for her daughter to finish her educational experience and graduate from Worthy New Christian High School might be extended to her. In the middle of the conversation, she leaned forward, slipped the wedding band, her diamond, from her finger, laid it on the desk, and pushed it toward me. She said, I don't know what that's worth. It's got to be worth something. Please put that toward the payment of my daughter's tuition. 
I uh, remember feeling that I didn't want to pick up the ring. She insisted. We prayed. We cried. We prayed again. I assured her that we, as her family of faith, would do all that was humanly possible to help her accomplish her dream. When she left, I sat at my desk and looked at the ring. Somebody's here this morning, and I would do that same thing for them. I put the ring in my pocket and went to see my good friend Bob Johnson, diamond seller. I said, Bob, I, I need you to evaluate this ring for me. I told him the story, and I laid it on the counter and pushed it over. <laughs> Bob makes his diamonds his business, but his love is people. When I told the story to Bob, he pushed the ring back at me. He said, there's no way I can put a value on that stone. He said, that stone's worth more than my machines can calibrate. And then he said, see that that young lady graduates from Worthington Christian and he helped make that possible. It was a proud moment to stand here on this platform, congratulate that young woman, hand her her diploma, and see her walk off the stage, and then to go find that mom and give her back the ring. My guess is that there are very few parents and grandparents in this audience who wouldn't do that same thing. Because of our love for, because of our devotion to, because, just because, we would do that. We would give an extraordinary gift to make blessings and needs met those we love. And every one of us here this morning have resources to do that. Every one of us have treasures. Now they're different because we're all different. Some of those treasures are boxed away in cedar chests. Your grandmother's favorite cup. A treasure beyond value to you. And some of them are up in the attic, stored away. Some of them you're holding in trust because you want to pass on to the next generation. You want them to have a sense of heritage, a piece of history, something that will tie them in to their origins and their foundations. All of us have treasures. For some of us, it's not that complicated. The treasures that we have are those things that have captured our heart. Every treasure has two possible futures. One, we can put it in a box. We can hide it. We can keep it. We can store it. 
And if we're going to do that, then we're going to usually have to face insurance needs and problems with protecting it and keeping it. And in some cases, what we treasure has flexible value. It, it can go up or go down, just like the stock market, because it has value to us, promising us something by way of security for our future. Or it has value to us because it says to us that we matter and that we're significant. All kinds of treasures. And the things we treasure, we tend to box, keep, hide, protect. In our story this morning, Mary had one such treasure. In her case, she broke the box and poured out this treasure. The gift, well, if you went over to the Polaris Mall and went in Saks Fifth Avenue, you'd find out that it doesn't take a whole lot of perfume to cost a whole lot of money, right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's still true today. You can, you can get a vial of perfume no bigger than my thumb. No bigger than my thumb. And you can pay a king's ransom for it. And if you're foolish enough to do it, they ought to get the profit. <laughs> we don't know how much there was. We just know that this was a very costly treasure to Mary. Now, she apparently is a single gal living in Bethany. We know that she has a brother and a sister. And we know that Jesus has done a very, very significant thing for her in bringing her brother Lazarus back from the grave. And we know that she's a tender-spirited young woman. We know that she sat at Jesus' feet, wrapped up intensively, listening to what he taught. We know that she has a deep sensitivity to who Jesus is. And she values her relationship with him and esteems him beyond words. And as she thinks through how she can express her appreciation for all these things that Jesus is and has done for her, her mind goes to that box. Perhaps it's the only treasure she has. The only thing that she could put her hands on through which she could tangibly and visibly express her emotions and her thanksgiving and her faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. To single him out, to say something to him, to personalize her devotion, her appreciation for all the gifts that he has given to her. And she does. She takes the treasure and she breaks the box and she pours it out. Now, financially, in that moment, she becomes poor, poorer. She has poured out in one lavish act of devotion a very expensive and very important part of her treasure. The people around her respond to that. Matthew and Mark both tell us that there was a murmur immediately in the crowd. The disciples were there and friends and neighbors were there and people had come all the way from Jerusalem two miles away to see Lazarus and to observe Jesus 
And they witnessed this experience, and their nostrils were filled with the aroma, the aura of this, this powerful, wonderful, but wasted oil of perfume. And their response was, what a stupid thing to do. How absolutely idiotic. Mary didn't talk to her counselor, obviously. He would have told her that she could leverage that or she could at least take a couple of drops of that perfume or she could have been more moderate or Remember, Mary, Jesus is leaving, and you got tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day to face. You have responsibilities out ahead of you. Remember, you're a single lady. You need to be responsible. You need to act rationally. You need to act, well, don't be stupid, Mary. The crowd's immediate response was, this is utter stupidity. This is a waste. Judas gets in the conversation, and he evaluates this gift. And he says, why this could have been given, or it could have been sold for money, and given to the poor. Now we're told that the reason he says that is because in his heart he was a thief. In other words, Judas wanted Mary to give him that money, see? under the pretense that he would manage that gift to the need of poor people whose needs justified receiving this money. One of the reasons why people are reluctant to give lavishly is because they don't trust the Judases of this world. And there are a lot of them. Didn't I read that recently Leadership in the Red Cross shifted because of that kind of thing. When bait and switch took place and people who gave pretty substantial gifts to cause A were suddenly informed that the leadership of the organization was going to shift those gifts to cause B, C, D. You remember that? And some person of great integrity at the head of that organization said, no, that's not honest. I'm out of here. I salute her decision and are very disappointed. But on the other hand, human organizations and many human leaders make their money that way. That's the way they live. I'm told that in the average, in the average organization that manages gifts from people to people, somewhere around 80 to 85% is often used in administration. It's like the little girl that wrote the note to Santa Claus and said, Dear Santa, please send me $10 for Christmas. Well, of course, the letter went through, finally landed in the dead, dead letter file, and some kind postal worker down in Washington, D.C. noticed it, picked it up, and thought, this is so nice. So he put a dollar in an envelope and sent it to the little girl. Next year, he recognized an envelope with the same handwriting on it, the same address, and he picked it up, and the little girl had written the letter and said, Dear Santa, Please send me $10 for Christmas. P.S. Don't send it through Washington, D.C. They keep $9 out of every $10. <laughs> Administrative overhead, see? Well, in this case, Judas would like to have had access to that money because he had personal 
ways that he would like to spend it. And he evaluates the gift of Mary's, uh, Mary's expression. He, he evaluates it and said it's absolutely a waste what she did. She took this perfect perfume, this wonderful, costly perfume, and wasted it by pouring it out on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's an idiot. But Jesus had something to say, too, about evaluating that gift, didn't he? He said three things that I want to call to your attention from the Gospel of Mark. Would you turn there with me to Mark chapter, I think it's chapter 14. Just note the fuller response of Jesus in evaluating this gift of Mary. Mark chapter 14, verse 6. After the crowd and Judas criticized Mary sharply and diminished her gift and discredited, Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. I wonder if anything I've done in my years has ever reached that level of accommodation. That Jesus himself would say, that was a good thing you did. That wins heaven's homekeeping seal of approval. That was good. It was free from selfishness. It was free from, from greed. It was free from self-promotion, it was good. What you did was good. The second thing Jesus said was, you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good, but me you do not have always. The second thing Jesus said was that opportunities for this kind of lavish gift don't come around every day. That the window of opportunity opens and then it slowly closes. And when it's closed, it's gone forever. There's nothing wrong with giving to the poor. As a matter of fact, those you'll notice who love the Lord Jesus tend to be the people who most lavishly give of themselves and their wealth for the benefit of those whom Jesus loves. And they often do it without political manipulation and they do it without personal name on the wall. They just do it because they love the Lord Jesus and through loving him they have learned to love others and value them and they feel their pain and they just do it. They just love. They just express themselves. Like, well, I heard recently that one of our, one of our families, uh, a couple with the children, were, were thinking through their their faith commitment in seven weeks of miracles and they settled on what was for them a very significant faith sum, a, a, a sum of money that they wanted to give because they loved the Lord and had no way to know where it was coming from. And at the close of a service, uh, another person came up, handed them an envelope and said, here, we feel the Lord wants us to present this sum of money to you and that's what we want to do. And of course, you know, the sum of the money was larger than the total amount that uh, the first family had ever envisioned giving to the Lord. Now, there's two points of that story. One point is that God always sees our act of faith. And the second is, 
God uses people who don't want their name in the bulletin many times to do that. To just do it. To just sense a need and to meet that need. And not be concerned about tax credit, not be concerned about a lot of other things that more practical people would say uh, would be our obligation, but just do it out of the impulse of obedience. And both are blessed. And you'll find that that's true. That those who love the Lord tend to be the best givers to the poor. But we have moments of opportunity, windows of, ch uh, windows of opportunity that come to us and we must act on those or we lose that opportunity. And Mary did not do that. Notice the third thing he said. She had done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Wow. The disciples haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> Jesus has been telling them repeatedly, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried three days, I'm going to rise from the grave. And they don't get it. They don't get it. Mary got it. And she not only got it, but she wanted to do something about that. Incidentally, this is the only anointing Jesus' body received in his burial. Remember, he was taken to the cross hastily. Remember that? Quickly wrapped, quickly put in the sepulcher. Remember that, the body? And on the first day of the week, very in the morning, the women came with the spices preparing to anoint the body in the traditional way, but it was too late. The body was gone. Jesus had risen from the dead. So what Mary does here is the only appropriate expression of honor to the body of Jesus in his death that he gets. But you see what Jesus is doing. Jesus saw her heart, her motive, saw that it was connected through her love for him with what he had taught her saw that she was believing in his future, soon, death, burial, resurrection, and she was putting her money lavishly where her faith was. Some of us remember that charity is an old word for love, or kind of love. Do we expect love to be rational? Isn't love known to be exuberant and overabundant and even excessive? Then why would our giving be careful and constrained? I'm just asking. Today we heard part one of Jim's sermon, Outside the Box. You can own the message on CD for a gift of $7 or more. It belongs to a series called Special Works Jesus Did. That study includes 13 sermons, yours on a baker's dozen of CDs for a donation of $45 or more. Right Start is a show for everyone, without exception, but I'd like to have a little heart-to-heart -heart with our ministry partners for a moment. We depend on you, Christians walking in the Spirit, to keep this program ministering to everyone. And frankly, summer is not an easy time for us, so thank you for praying and giving regularly. If you'd like to be a member of the team, please mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. 
On the website, rightstartradio.org, you can rehear today's broadcast or go back and enjoy earlier shows. You can play or download Pastor Jim's complete sermons. We'll show you how to subscribe to the daily podcast on iTunes. And the website gives you a very convenient and secure way to donate. Please visit rightstartradio.org when you can. And thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Tomorrow we'll think more deeply about what Mary of Bethany's gift meant to Jesus. And then Jim will make the message personal. Please join us again for Tuesday's Right Start. Thank you.